Last week, Brother Scott, as he began to share with us in the sermon, and again, if you didn't get to listen to that, I encourage you to go online and to listen to his sermon again, as he began to bring to the church thanksgiving, things that we were thanking God for, but also a church with the right aim of reminding us that as we looked at things of, of love, live, and lead, of loving God and loving others, of living out our faith in practical ways, and leading others to Christ, that the challenge of a church with the right aim to continue to keep us moving forward with that. He also began to speak to us about what's the, what's the church going to be a part of next? What are we going to do? Uh, ideas of church planting overseas and uh, helping churches to be built up in the United States and, and also the fact of looking at a second campus here. Uh, in this county. And so all these different things were, are brought about, and, and the very thing that he challenged us with is, as soon as he got done preaching, he says, now come and tell me your opinions for and against, right? Was that the challenge? What, what did our pastor challenge us to be doing? To be praying. Now, it will be important to share pros and cons. That's, it's important to share those things and to bring those out. But the thing that challenged us, that our pastor challenged us, is that we needed to be in prayer. What we need to do is seek not what we think, not what we want to do or what we think we can do or to not do what we think we can. What is God revealing to us that we need to be about? We're joining with him in what he's already doing. Amen? And so uh, we are challenged to pray. Uh, but I don't know about you. How many of y'all How many of y'all just find it sometimes difficult to pray? Anybody struggle with prayer? I mean, how many times you get out there and you start to pray, and all of a sudden you're like going, Lord, I want to thank you for today, and I want to thank you for all that you've given me and for my family. And, Lord, man, a pizza sure sounds good right about now. Boy, I got things I got to get done, and how am I going to get this all accomplished? And, oh, man, I can't believe that happened at work. And what am I supposed to do here? And then, and God help us yet again. to. I mean, it's, it, we weave in and out. We struggle with prayer. It's something that we, we struggle with. We need to be reminded, though, that when we pray, that prayer is a conversation of trust with God that is honest and intimate. It's a conversation of trust. If you're coming to God in prayer and you're not trusting in his character or who he is, you're praying the wrong way. When we come to God, it's in faith of saying, God, I don't understand what's going on. I may not understand what you're doing, but I trust in you and what you are bringing about. We also become very honest with God and intimate because that's what he desires. He desires honesty and intimacy. You know, I always get tickled when people tell me, you know what, you can, never, you can never really question God. You can question him if you question in the right tone. If you question God in the right tone and say, God, again, I don't have a clue why you're doing this, but I trust in you. One of my favorite prayers of all time is Moses. He's dealing with the children of Israel. How many of y'all know what I'm about ready to say? How many of y'all know that prayer? In the middle of that prayer, Moses is talking with God, and Moses looks at God, and he says, these are your people. This is your, this is your people. You're going to have to get this figured out, God, okay? These are your people. I mean, he was honest. He was intimate. And God didn't look at him and say, Moses, bing, I'm done with you. He, he desired the intimacy and honesty with Moses. He had no problem with that because Moses trusted God. 
There's not a doubt. There was not a question of doubt. Well, why do we pray? Why do we pray? Because a lot of times people say, well, God already knows he's already going to do it. And he already knows what we're going to do. And so why do we even pray? Because God's already going to bring about what he's doing. And you know, to an extent, it's interesting because, you know, Matthew uh, 6, 8 is going to tell us uh, where it says uh, he knows before you ask. That is true. God knows everything before you ask. But it's a relationship. God desires us to trust him. He desires love and intimacy. He also is inviting us to be a part of changing and transforming this world. Prayer changes me because I line up more and more with God, right? But it also has an outcome of changing this world when I walk with God hand in hand in intimacy because then I hear God's heart. I know what he's wanting me to do. He puts things upon my heart in order to be praying, to be praying for. He's the one leading it, not me. It's also interesting that when we think about the idea of prayer, how many of y'all ate well on Thanksgiving? I'm amazed we could raise our hands, right? (laughs) You know, we ate well. In our spiritual disciplines, if we're going to grow in God, we're supposed to be feasting upon His Word day and night. We're supposed to be in the Word of God feasting, eating, not just 15 minutes a day. That was a nice challenge, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible talks about in the morning you're in it, at night you're in it, that you're in the Scriptures feasting. If this is like feasting, prayer is like breathing. is to be in constant communication with the Lord. Is to be in constant communication. Pray about every, with prayer and supplication, with everything, bring it to the Lord. We're called to be in the midst of prayer. But it's interesting that the disciples came to Jesus. It talks about this in, in Luke 11, or in Luke chapter... It says it in Luke, when we're talking about prayer. The disciples came to Jesus and they said, teach us to Pray. Well, these are good Jewish boys. Are you telling me they don't know how to pray? No, they know how to pray, but there's a difference between Jesus' prayer and their prayer. Their prayers, they were giving to God, and they were using words, but Jesus was transformation. His prayers were effective. His prayers were effective. Jesus, they were saying, Jesus, teach us what it means to be effective. You know, they were always wanting to shortcut and to get power. They were wanting prestige. And they said, you teach us how to pray. And Jesus was teaching them. It's not about the power. It's about the intimacy with the Father. It's about walking with the Lord. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 9. And as we look at this today, In your bulletin, you're going to see the words broken out, and those are broken out for you to make notes today, for your notes. There are things that if God reveals to you that you can write out, but we're going to look at these different words that are in here, and just to break this down, and it starts out basically with this, our Father in heaven, and we're going to stop right there and just look at the word our. In the society that we live in today, we don't think our a lot of times. We think me, myself, and I. True? True? 
When we think me, myself, and I. In fact, when we think about spiritual growth, we think about my personal Bible study, my personal prayer time, my this, my that. You know what I have found? As much time as we focus on my, we don't ever seem to get nourished the way that we need to. We're always scrambling for the next Bible study. We're always scrambling for the next thing. And Bible studies are important. And again, we're talking about prayer. That's important. But our focus is wrong when we start with my. What is the great commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your mind, strength, and soul. And love your neighbor as yourself. I don't hear a my in there. Do you? Have you noticed that the focus, our when we pray, it's fine to bring up our petitions to God. God wants, God wants us to share with him my petitions and your specific petitions. But God also is calling us to be in prayer for our, to be lifting up our body of believers, to be lifting up brothers and sisters that are in other countries, to be lifting up our lost loved ones, to be our, a community focus. If we don't watch it, the reason why we're not effective is because we're self-centered. We're self-centered. We're going to talk about personal prayer that, that is absolutely lifted up with Jesus later on, but I want us to even think about how Jesus is teaching them how to pray with our. The next one it comes into is Father. You know, and the beautiful thing about this is that Father, when you think of this, Father it's a beautiful idea and word. Now, some of us, I know, didn't grow up with good fathers. I understand that. Some of you did grow up with good fathers. Some of us have not grown up with good fathers. But we all know what a good father is supposed to be because we either are thankful we had it or we regret we didn't have it, right? Have you ever noticed that? Notice that in that moment, somebody's saying, I wish my dad would have been because we know what it's supposed to be. Well, let me show you something. There's no perfect earthly father, even if we've had good ones, but there is a perfect heavenly father. There is a perfect heavenly father that comes and says, come, I have time for you. Come, you come and sit upon my lap. You share with me what is going on. You come to me because you don't know how to do something. I will teach you because he says, I am a good father. He is a father that is compassionate and that is caring and that the grace he shows, oh my goodness. This is who we are praying to, of a father that desires us to come to him in intimacy and love, and that he has all the world and time for us. Amen? Our father. Listen to what it says in Matthew 7, 9 through 11. Or which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? He's looking for us to ask him. He's looking for us when we come to him and we say this, Will we approach God as a father who is desiring to give good gifts to his children? Are we approaching him of saying, O thouest God, I come thee, thou to you, thouest thee, 
and speaking of biggest words, so that thou would hear me and thou would say it. Now listen, if you pray that way and you mean it, there's no problem. But if you're just using specialized words, God ain't hearing you. He comes to desire honesty and intimacy with his children. That's what he desires. Our Father. Now think about this. Father, intimacy, one we can relate, but who is in where? In heaven. See, Jesus is teaching them to pray, our Father who is in heaven. In heaven, he's on his throne. In heaven, he's absolutely in control, right? On earth, he's completely in control. He's on his throne. When we are approaching God, I laughed about this today. We're, we're, Josh and the praise team, they sang that song right there at the very end, and, and I got tickled because it said freaking out. That is not necessarily a very churchy word, right? I know some of y'all were sitting there going, did that just say freak out? Is that what that said? You know, it's just, but you know what's funny? What's funny is this. That's exactly what we do. We just don't dress it up with it. We call it anxiousness. Whatever you dress it up, it's freaking out. It's being scared. It's being worried. It's being anxious for something because we're nervous, because we're saying there's no way that that problem can be fixed. There's no way that that issue that's going on in my life could ever be resolved. There's no way that it could ever be taken care of. I would call that freaking out. My wife and I have had some interesting moments of freaking out as we have continued to make our way here, trying to figure out all this stuff. And there's moments where I would sit there and say, you got to be kidding me. We're trying to figure this out. And as soon as you think you got to figure it out, there's a curveball that comes in. And I have watched it like the last, honestly, can I be honest with you? About the last 10 or 15 times, there's one of those curves that come at me. You know what my response is? Oh, Lord, I know you have it taken care of, and I'm all good. I'm like going, no, I'm not good at this. you got to be kidding me. What are we going to do? How are we going to do this? I don't understand. I'm talking to Dana. She's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what we're going to do. You know what? Finally, you get to so many times, and we watch God took care of that one, and 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 God took care of that one. When the next one came, I was like going, I'm not wasting time on this. Because God is on his throne. He's in control. Why are we worrying about things? It's not saying the situation's not difficult. It's saying that God's in control of the difficult situation. He is on his throne. He is in heaven. And thus, as we pray, our Father in heaven. Let's go to the next part of this. Hallowed be your name. That seems like such a weird thing to be praying in the midst of a prayer of your name be Hallowed, your name be holy, your name be set apart. Why, why would I pray something like that? Jesus is teaching them this. The first three commandments of the Ten Commandments basically do this. Have no other gods before me. Not make yourself an idol in the form of anything. And you, not to take God's name in vain. And the reason of all that is because there is no other name in heaven or earth of which people can be saved than of Jesus Christ. Amen? And if we don't have a good understanding of who the Father is, we rob salvation from this world. 
Hallowed be your name. Do you know how many, we don't think about this, but you know, it's interesting. God's name is so misaligned in our culture. I, you know, I thought about this the other day, and I've thought about this for a while, but it's interesting, even the text, OMG. We do things without even realizing it that we take away and we make God a little bit lower and lower and lower all the time of not keeping him on high and on his throne, of not keeping him pure of who he is. Have you ever noticed that when somebody is out doing stuff and they're fixing stuff and, they're, and all of a sudden they hit their thumb with a hammer, they never say, oh, Buddha! Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that? Stub their toe, Muhammad, Muhammad, Muhammad! I've never heard anybody ever say that. Never. I have heard people use every form of God and not even speaking to him. See, Jesus is teaching them, pray that we keep God's name set apart and holy. We pray that we keep God's name holy because that's the only name that brings about salvation. And we have to pray that because we're tempted to not keep God holy. True? And so even in this moment where he's teaching us, be praying in this moment to keep God's name holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. You know, I've heard people say uh, this many times. They're like going, you know what? If, if Jesus came back right now, I'd have loved ones that go to hell. I'd have loved ones that would go to judgment. They would be thrown into the lake of fire. They would go to hell. And so I don't want Jesus to come back just yet. And, 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 and I've heard people say that. And in fact, I've said that before. But, but here's, my, here's my question to you. If you've ever said that, are you sharing the gospel with others? Are you sharing the gospel with loved ones? Are you sharing the gospel with family and with friends? Because if you say, I'm not ready for Jesus to come back, but you're not sharing the gospel, you're not lined up with Jesus. You're not lined up with his kingdom and what he's doing. You are out of line. And this is why the Bible tells what Jesus is telling in the midst of the prayer. Your kingdom come. I want Jesus to come back. I want Jesus to set all wrongs right. I want suffering to end. I want him to reign. And I want to see him come back, which means I want to be about his business, not my business. When I'm praying your kingdom come, it lines up this messed up flesh that's more worried about making sure, oh God, please make sure that they don't call me in so I don't mess up my vacation. I'd like to have a good moment of family time. And I'd get, God, if you'll just make sure this vacation doesn't get jacked up so that we can spend time together. And listen, there's nothing wrong with that prayer except for I've realized we pray more about him not messing up or keeping our plans messed up instead of keeping his plans in line. True? When I am praying your will or your kingdom come, that keeps me lined up with this. God, there's things that I have today and things you've called me to do. But if you interrupt my agenda for your agenda, amen. 
If you interrupt my agenda for your agenda, amen. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom, your rule, may it come, may it come quickly. And anything that's not lined up in my heart, that's lined up with you, God, then make it line up. I repent. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How is God's rule carried out in heaven? How is his, how is his will carried out? Have you ever thought about this? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How is his will pulled out in heaven? How's it, how's it, how's it done in heaven? Here's what God says. Angel, go. What's the angel do? Zoom. Right? Go here. Zoom. I don't think they make that noise, but you know. When God says it, there's an immediate movement of what takes place because there's immediate obedience. With us, what happens when God reveals to us? Are you sure that's what you said? We make every excuse in the world to not carry out God's will immediately. True? And there's times where we don't even watch the things that we say. Somebody will ask and say, you know what, let me pray about that. And and listen, that's true. There's things that we should be praying about specifically. But I'm going to share with you this. If we are in the midst of prayer with God, constantly dialoguing, there are some things that we don't have to pray about because we have been in prayer with God and he will show us immediately because we've already been walking with him. Do you know that? There are some things that God will do because if we think God, we think God works linear. This gets brought up, so I need to pray about it in order to find the answer. There are some things that if we're already in prayer ahead of it, God's going to show us and we'll say, oh, that's what you've been showing me. I understand. Yes, I'll go do it right now. Absolutely. Yes. See, if we're already in the midst of prayer, not everything has to be, I need to go pray about that. That sounds holy, but sometimes really it's just being disobedient because we've not been in prayer like we should have been at the beginning. Does that make sense? Now, please hear me. I'm not saying that you shouldn't take if something's brought to you and not pray about it. You should. But I'm just telling you, there are some things that God reveals if we're already in the midst of prayer with him that we're able to move because we've already been in intimacy relationship with him. When Jesus tells us to go, we need to go. If he tells us to stay, we need to stay. If he tells us that we need to speak, we need to speak. And if he tells us to shush, then we need to be quiet. Whatever he reveals, his will on heaven is moved quickly. On earth, it should be the same way. And thus we pray that that's what happens. Give us this day our daily bread. You know, we don't deal like they, like they did back then in the time of Israel where they're working sometimes for daily food. Some people were working just to eat that day. We nowadays, when we go to the grocery store, we don't just buy one thing of eggs and one thing of milk and then go back the next day. What do we do usually if we go to the grocery store? Hmm? We pile it up. We get a bunch of cart, we get the whole thing, we go through it, 
put everything out, we, we put it in our cupboard, and we don't, we don't necessarily at times, if we don't watch it, we don't ask God for our daily bread because, I mean, we, we, I mean it's right there. Church, your bank account, your paycheck does not provide for you. God does. Nothing else provides for you other than God. Your house could be lost in a second. Identity theft could take everything you had. You could be fired from your job. You could lose everything. And I'm going to tell you right now, God will still provide for your needs because he's promised he would to his children. And when we pray... When we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we are never taking it for granted that somehow we've gotten it ourselves. It's all been given by him. It keeps us humble. It keeps us, it keeps us to that point of dependency upon God and never upon myself. Listen to Matthew 6, 31 through 33. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you and forgive us our trespasses as we forget oh hang on wait hang on but seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you give us this day our daily bread god i don't provide my paycheck doesn't provide you provide it keeps us humble it keeps us praying as we do it daily we're worried or daily we're trusting in god to provide for us not a week out each day of what god will provide for us and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. Forgive us our debts. When we go before God daily, now, now I want us to, to make sure we understand this, Okay. When Christ died upon the cross and his blood was shed and we put faith in Christ, we're buried in Christ, we're risen in Christ. When God sees me, he sees Jesus. Amen? My sins are forgiven. How many are forgiven? All of them. Every single one of them. Then why am I confessing my sins? Because it goes back to the intimacy. It goes back to the relationship. It goes back to daily. God, I will not take your sacrifice for granted. Daily, I will not sit there and say, I've been forgiven so I can live however I want. It doesn't matter because Jesus has forgiven me. That is not what the Bible says at all. And if you're living that way, you have totally, totally taken your context out of relationship with Jesus. That's not how he's called us to live. When we go before God, we are going before him and saying, God, forgive me of my attitudes. Forgive me of my actions. Forgive me of my words. Forgive me for I have not lived out the things that you've called me to live out. Forgive me of my, of my debts. And not only that, there are things that we're telling God, and God, forgive me of sins that I'm not even aware of that I have sinned against you. Do you know that you've committed sins? that you didn't even know her sins. Did you know that? That's why I'm so thankful for the blood because if I have to list every sin in order to be forgiven and stand right with God, I'm going to hell. If I have to be able to list it all out and know it all out, I have no hope whatsoever. We don't even understand how sinful we have been. But yet the beauty of when we confess our sins 
the Holy Spirit even begins to show us things. You know what? You didn't know this. Psst, that's a sin too. And I love you enough to reveal it so you'll repent of it and come and be more like me. Forgive us of our debts. Now, here's the hard one. As we forgive our debtors. Forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. Listen to Matthew 6, 14 and 15. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. If you're going to beg and plead that Jesus forgive you of your sins and then turn right around and not forgive those who have sinned against you, church, we don't truly understand who Jesus is. Then I don't know about you, but I have been hurt by some people, betrayed. I have been hurt by family members. And family's not supposed to do that, are they? I've had family members that have hurt me. I've grown up in church all my life. I've had people that were close to me, brothers and sisters in Christ, and yet they seem to turn. Man, I don't even know what's worse than family or church when they hurt and when they cut. And there are moments that I have looked when that has happened. And I have said, they don't deserve forgiveness. And I don't feel like giving it to them. They hurt me intentionally. Made a choice. And even sometimes when I went back to try to fix it, they went and doubled down. So I don't want to forgive them. But Jesus taught us to pray daily, Father, forgive me my debts as I have forgiven those who have sinned against me. See, I am asking God to do something in that moment of working in my life. I say they don't deserve forgiveness. I don't deserve forgiveness from Jesus. You know what I deserve from Jesus? I deserve damnation. I deserve hell. I deserve God's wrath and judgment poured against me and everything laid out and nothing held back. I deserve eternal damnation for all of my life. After the first hundred years of being in hell, that will not pay for the sin that I committed against God. After being there for a thousand years, I will not even begun to have paid off. It would be an eternity and I would deserve every agonizing moment that was poured out against me of how I sinned against God. Did you know that? And here's the beauty. I didn't do anything to garner God's forgiveness. He just gave it. While I was still a sinner, Christ died for us. And thus, when I look at that moment, God, forgive me my sins as I forgive those who have wronged me. God, you teach me to love as you have loved me. You teach me to forgive as you have forgiven me. This is what we pray for because that is not natural. 
How many of y'all are still struggling to forgive some people? Hey, good news. He ain't done with you yet. Amen. He's still at work in your life, teaching you what it means to receive the forgiveness and to give the forgiveness. This is what we pray and this is what we're taught. It goes on and says this, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The word here uh, for temptation also can be that of trial. It's a Greek word, uh, parasmas. Don't ask me to say it again. But in this Greek word, it can be temptation or it can be trial. I humbly am going to put before you that I believe that in this moment, I think it is talking about and lead us not into trial, but deliver us from evil. If you think about this, listen to James 1, 12 through 14. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. Lead us not into temptation. Uh, God doesn't lead us into temptation. He doesn't tempt us. But he does give us trials, amen? He does allow us to go through trials. James 1, 2 through 4 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Humbly, I believe that Jesus is teaching the disciples here, lead us not into trials. Is it okay to ask God that we wouldn't have to go through trials? Is it okay to ask God that we wouldn't have to go through trials? What did Jesus say when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane? If there's any way, take away this cup from me, but not my will, but your will. How many of y'all have ever had to learn something the hard way? How many of y'all had to learn something the hard way? Now, some of us have gone through hard trials. We were so hard-headed and hard-hearted that God had to use that trial in order to get us to repent and be softened and to say, God, I get it, and I thank you. But there are some trials that we took because we were not very bright. There are some trials that we took on because we said, well, that means for everybody else, but not for me because I'm special. God, I know what your word says, but surely you don't mean me in that. So I'm going to do it my way. And guess what happened? You blew it. Ran smack dab, headlong into something, and it cost you. And then all of a sudden you realized and said, you know what, God? I didn't have to go through that one. If I'd have just taken you at your word, if I'd have just listened to what you said, if I'd have just listened to what, then it'd have been okay. Church, I believe in this moment that they're saying, and lead us not into trials that we don't have to go into. Deliver us from evil. Well, Sean, what happened? There are, why did I go through that trial? Because God loves you enough that he is perfecting your faith. And there are some trials that you go through because he loves us. And your goal is not to be comfy on this earth. It's to be in heaven with him. 
And there are some trials that we look at God no matter what happens and we go through them and we say, God, thank you for that trial. I hate what I'm going through, but I know that you have used that in order to refine my faith to trust you more. And thus, praise be unto God. Amen? But there are some trials that we need to pray, God, help me not to be stupid. I'm not supposed to use that word for some little kids. A little kid came up to me and said, that's a bad word. I'm so, I'm so sorry. But as the adults in here, you know what I'm talking about, right? Lord, teach me from being so hard-headed that I do foolish things. Lord, keep me from trials that I don't have to go through. Keep me from that evil that would befall me. I'm going on trials that I don't have to go through. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Church, Jesus was teaching the disciples how to pray because they used words, but they knew that there wasn't something effective about their prayers. And Jesus was teaching them that their effective prayers were not found in words, but found in intimacy with God, in relationship with God, with our Father. How, how effective are your prayers? How effective are your prayers? Do you need to go back before God and to go through and meditate upon this, to, to walk with God and say, you know what, God? I treat you more like a genie and a lamp than I do an intimate father. I treat you more like, God, please don't let this happen. Lord, please take care of this. And then when he doesn't show up, we're all mad. But yet he knows what we need. He's asking us into intimacy and to walk with him. That's what he's asking. I'll ask you this question. What's your prayer life like? How much time are you spending in prayer? And don't count meal times. They don't count. Let me take that back. They do count, but at times they that's the only time you're praying? That's concerning. That's more of a tradition than it is intimacy with God. If you're not in prayer, if you're not consistently praying, I'm going to encourage you to repent. I'm going to encourage you of what the Bible says. In all things, through prayer and supplication, bring your request made known to the Lord. If you're not doing that, I believe it's sin. And what do we do with sin? We confess it. We go back again and say, Lord, I may not have it figured out, but Lord, I'm going to engage you as a father that I know that loves me in prayer. Today, some of you, your prayer may be this. You don't know Jesus. You don't have, you can't look at God as a father because you don't know him. He is a distant entity. Today, he wants to know you as his child. Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Have you put your faith in the one who's died for you, has shed his blood? Because that's the only way you find forgiveness of sins. Maybe today there are things that you've given up you don't even pray for anymore. Family members that seem to have gone wayward. Situations that you've given up on hope. Where is the faith in that moment where you say, God, I trust in you. Even though this situation seems hopeless and this seems like it's not working out. But God, I trust in you. And thus I will pray yet again because I know that it's not the outcome of that prayer. 
It's walking with you. You will lead me where I need to be because you are my heavenly Father. Let us pray. Father, we come before you today. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your encouragement. And Lord, even your rebuke. Lord, your grace that continues to remind us that the greatest thing you desire out of us, Lord God, is not what we do for you, but Lord God, the relationship. And Lord, out of that relationship, we will be obedient to do works. Out of that relationship, Lord God, of intimacy, Lord, we will do the things that we are called to do. But Lord, forgive us when we have used prayer than just being with you, just seeking you knowing your heart. Father, we lift up this time to you. We come to a time of altar, Lord. May we give you that which you desire. Whatever that is you've laid upon our hearts, Lord. May we be obedient. May we move as you call us to move. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.